Shall I take your order, or do you need a minute? Ah, yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah, now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. Hey, Friday Night Lights fans. It's not only football. Friday Night Lights and Beyond is an episode-by-episode discussion of the hit TV series Friday Night Lights, hosted by yours truly, Scott Porter, who played Jason Street on the show, and my two wonderful co-hosts, me, Zach Guilford, a.k.a. Matt Saracen, and me, Mae Whitman, a.k.a someone who wasn't on the show but really really loves it a lot we will also bring on some special guests answer your questions and tell you about what's going on in our lives today it's not only football friday night lights and beyond is available now wherever you get your favorite podcasts clear eyes full hearts can't lose Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. We appreciate y'all being here. Uh, don't forget, support people support us. We, uh, we do like the people that uh, give us the opportunity to do this podcast. So get behind them and keep the winds in the sail, the Corolla Pirate Ship, and uh, check out some of this stuff we're doing. I know you guys kind of wander over to After Dark once in a while. And, of course, on Wednesdays, we do that streaming show at 3 o'clock Pacific time where Dr. Victory and I talk to people that have been silenced. Uh, and some interesting opinions have come out. Uh, I also do Tuesday and Thursday streaming where we take calls off Twitter spaces. So if you're interested in calling in directly, much like we do here during Adam and Drew show, but that's live live on streaming show. Uh, streams out on everything, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, whatever, you know, uh, Facebook. But today it is my pleasure to welcome Alejandro Badia. Dr. Badia writ- has written a book, Healthcare from the Trenches, an insider account of the complex barriers of U.S. healthcare from the provider's and patient's perspective. It is available now. We are going to talk about looking at some of the intrinsic root cause problems in our healthcare problem, our healthcare, yeah, I almost said our healthcare system. It's our healthcare problem, which yes. is what it is. You can follow Dr. Badia at his website, Dr. Badia, B A D I A. Twitter is at Dr. Badia. Again, Dr. B A D I A. And Instagram, uh oh, Dr. Bortho now. What's that all about? Oh, B, it's Badia Ortho. Actually, the easiest is Badia Hand. Badia Hand. Okay, yeah. there you go. He is, uh, was trained at Cornell uh, and NYU. He uh, had a fellowship at Allegheny General Hospital in Pittsburgh. And a trauma fellowship in Germany, which yes. I did not know about yeah. that. Were you, do you speak German? Uh, Sprechen kaum Deutsch. <laughs> Some, a little, <laughs> a little bit. bit huh? Yeah. Did you have to? Did you have to learn stuff for that job, or was it all in English? It was. It was a short fellowship, and I, uh, between operating, I snuck out in Pittsburgh to get some lessons wow. <laughs> in lingua, which I recommend. And I, I learned enough to ask for a beer, where the bathroom is, and 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 where does it hurt? I, I'm, this is totally <laughs> off topic, but I'm fascinated by languages. I, oh. I, be, I was ne- I was you know a a uh, what shall we say a encumbered passenger uh, in my <laughs> French training in high school and mm. stuff but I, but I just kind of kept with it my friends kind of we the teacher would beg us to stay in the advanced classes and blah 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 and so we go all right we'll go back next year and do it again it seemed uncool to us I'm so glad I did that but uh, when I had COVID. I developed long hauler. Did I tell you this last time we talked? No. I, I, I had pretty bad long haul syndrome. I, the, I had the Delta, and I was very sick oh. with it and stuff. The, wow. You know, bad. You know, it's a bad virus. We're gonna yeah. do. And uh, I had this instinct that if I went, 
I used to play the piano a little bit, so I had this instinct that if I went back to the piano or started dancing, this was this strange impulse, <laughs> or worked on languages, it would help clear the fog. And at that time, we were going to Greece, and I and I said, all right, I'm going to learn some Greek. And damn it, the fog cleared in about three, two, three weeks, or improved a lot. Huh. And uh, from there, I said, well, hell, this seems to be helping my aging brain. I'm going to get my French shit together finally. I'm going to learn. I, I should have been fluent in French. I, I'd i go to France, and I'd be like, I could understand things, but I'm like, why why don't I, why can't I speak this language? Oh, now that well, I've gotten into it. A friend of mine says that uh, you, as we get older, you should learn completely new things. Yeah, well, it that, humbles the, you, and it does. It's great for your brain. The, the Greek thing really did, but but you know, when I look at how people learn languages, there's an initial rapid increase in your ability to kind of understand and get by with stuff, and then there's a long plateau, <laughs> and then there's even a longer phase, which is what I'm into with with French right now, which is there's. With that language particularly, they, they screw around with the language so much, that, and everything is nuanced, and, uh, and, I, and I'm trying to learn all those idioms and things now. It's like, well, no That's wonder. That's part, yeah. No wonder I didn't understand <laughs> what they were saying. They, not only do they mumble and string everything together, they leave half of the letters and words out, and then they, have, they actually have a pig Latin. They call, oh, call it right? Verlan, which oh. is the opposite of l'inverse, inverse. It's called. Oh, so they, they switch. Uh, 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 I don't recommend uh, learning that uh, one. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. So let, let's, speaking of frustrations, I, uh, I thought yes. I'd start, start with a frustration. <laughs> Let me start with a quick story and see if it helps frame our conversation. I worked in a psychiatric hospital for 35 years. It was uh, always difficult to get people sufficient resources to treat these brain conditions, you know, we're just talking about a brain disorder, my fog from COVID, these things heal slowly. They don't get better fast, particularly when there are behavioral elements associated with it. They take a lot of structure and a lot of time. I could never get adequate resources for my patients. That was a 20-year ordeal. In the 80s, you could do it. Suddenly in the 90s, it was all restricted and you couldn't anymore. Last, about two weeks ago, I tried to help a family get somebody into the hospital, a psychiatric hospital, and with active suicidal ideation. Not really a plan, but somebody really was in distress. Holy, oh my God. A, no admitting office for a psychiatric hospital associated with an acute facility. You have to go to the ER and wow. sit there for 12 hours. And then the probability of admission is 20% because by the end of those 12 hours, you're thinking, I just got to get out of here. I'm not suicidal anymore. <laughs> uh, the freestanding psychiatric hospital... Wow. Uh, just didn't didn't have anything other than low functioning, you know, essentially people right off the street who they house for a few days and send them back on the street, and it could not get them admitted at all. So that's the, the the psychiatric part is interesting. It's sort of the bellwether or the canary in the coal mine because I have noticed that all the years over the years is whatever happened in uh, particularly on the addiction medicine side, which I was running actively a big program. Whatever happened to us, I knew was going to happen to medicine within five years. And so I'm guessing this same kind of frustration with – and it is the case. The hospitals don't even have admitting offices anymore. you got to go to the ER, yeah. which is the worst idea in the world and the most cost inefficient. I, I don't understand what we're doing. And it's all consolidated. It's run by these big systems. Uh, the, pers- the, the care of the individual patient seems inconsequential to anybody. Everything is algorithmic. Which is anathema, <laughs> anathema to, to quality healthcare. Yes. So, that's the frame. Let's hear your thoughts. Well, there's just too many barriers. Uh, the 
the healthcare system has become a, um, a megapolis, if you will, where there are um, people who actually don't do the work, who actually don't deliver the healthcare, yeah. who are making decisions. Been that way for thirty uh, years, yeah. and they're stand, they're, they're in the way, and and they, you know, I, 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 perhaps I'm naive, but I don't think it's they have bad intentions, but I think that the system is built in a in a manner that the the delivery of healthcare is almost secondary. And um, it's, it's frustrating for patients and certainly for clinicians. You know, I, I put the, the word provider in, uh, in quotes on, on a cover of my book because it's really an insurance term, and I, I don't mind when they use it then, but we're all different, right, providers. And, yeah. um, you know, we, we are physicians, there's therapists, there's nurses. Um, and, and all of us um, have to now depend on, this, on these approvals and, and authorization, right? I, I, I have a subsection in the book uh, entitled authorization is a four-letter word. <laughs> and it's just obvious about how much we hate that. And all it does is add cost um, and, and uh, delays in a system, right? Because a person giving you that number or, or that approval to admit a, a psychiatric patient, that person has a salary and benefits. So think about the money that's, that's in the system not going to people who are actually delivering value. That's oh. why I kind of chuckle with this value-based healthcare. It, it's another smoke and mirrors. I, I have said forever, there is nothing more efficient, effective, and cost-effective than a well-trained caring physician and a motivated, informed patient. Yeah. That is your most efficient unit. Anything right. you put on top of that, encumbrance, cost. Absolutely, absolutely. Everything. So insurers should stick to collecting premiums, which are very good at, <laughs> and, and, uh, and paying for services. I've always said it. They should have oversight. Uh, okay, I'm an upper limb surgeon. If every shoulder that came into my office, I decided to take and do an arthroscopy on, that should raise some eyebrows. Correct? Oh, I have terrible shoulder problems. I got to talk about. <laughs> but but once that workup has been done, trust the appropriate clinician to make the decisions. And then, you, and again, with oversight. I'm yeah. not saying that an insurance company should do that and need to do that. Uh, but but right now, all of these hurdles and barriers simply cost money mm-hmm. and, and delay care. And it's the reason I wrote the book is because I came up with a very sensical system uh, called OrthoNow. It's an, an, an example of several orthopedic walk-in centers that are out there nationally. Uh, and I did that because every person that came to see me had been to three or four places. Mm. And I thought, look, I wasn't just thinking medically. I'm thinking, my God, the waste, mm. the waste in our system of healthcare dollars. If I have a psychiatric problem, I know to go to a psychiatrist. If I have an, right? if I have an addiction problem, if I have an eye problem, I go to an ophthalmologist. But they, they put all these barriers thinking they're saving money. And that's the part the public needs to understand. Well, let's see. Whatever you're perceiving as a surgeon, trust me, as primary care provider, oh. it has been a hundred times worse. Yes, it, yes, uh, it's true. You can't make a living. You can't. I know, I know you can't. And, you and that's why you're being hired by big healthcare systems. Or, yeah. or you're supervising physician extenders. Right. Those are the, those are the only two ways to make a living. Uh, and, they're, and neither are good, and both are incredibly stressful. And, and by the way, the weird thing is that all the liability fl- flows up to the physician. Nobody else. Oh, of course. Nobody else. Always. <laughs> the hospital doesn't get it. The, yep. provide, the extenders don't get it. The physician yeah. takes the responsibility. Oh, you, you would love our, our – people were fighting uh, to get uh, their contribution in my book on the med, med mal, on the med mal I'm sure. <laughs> chapter. But we can have a whole session just on that. So. Yeah. Uh, 
That's, that's not what this is about. It's it's actually yeah, a much I, bigger problem. I talked to an LA Times reporter who was like, I don't understand. The doctor should be supervising 60 nurse practitioners. I'm like, I couldn't review <laughs> six records right, an hour. Right. I and could, provide and, quality. And, you know. and provide anything close to a good review of understanding of what was going on for those patients. Yes, absolutely. It's just disgusting. Well, yeah. what, well, maybe there's a bigger question here. What happened to our profession? What what happened? And well, by the way, we, we're eating we, each other we're up partly, now. We're, we're partly responsible. Oh, for sure. Uh, we are. Uh, I look. I I'm, I have a situation in Miami. We built an incredible one-stop shopping center, and my colleagues are all good people. That's ortho now. Ortho now plus uh, a surgery center, mm. plus uh, several uh, clinician offices, and then and then therapy and imaging. We have it all under one roof. Yeah. I. I can't get my colleagues to get together and say, guys, gals, let's let's drive the awareness in our own community in Miami for this. It, it's impossible. I, I, I say it in the book. The competition started, if you recall, during organic chemistry. Yep. No, that's right. <laughs> right? Um, uh, you went to Amherst, didn't yep. you? Undergrad, yep. right? So if you yep. if you remember, that's where the chem- the the brutal. Yeah, brutal. The the compet- but it never ends. No, it never ended. And then I, I say to my colleagues, That's you know true. what? And, and we and we and we have sport and, but it yeah. used you know we have sport and sort of attacking each other's opinions and things like that. And and but yeah. that used to be, that used to be called interesting. Yes. <laughs> now you're a bad person if I disagree with you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Which that, is just this it's weird, a societal thing. That's yeah. a weird switch. Yeah, it is. So. Um, it's uh, the physicians have have to get together, but ultimately it's not going to change. From the the people control the big healthcare systems, the insurance companies are not they don't have the interest. It's it has to come really from the public. Uh, I've said it. It's you know could be politically unpopular, but look at what happened when there was you know with a, a few you know bad cops, a few what that did to dialogue in this country on on any you know anything from race relations to to um, violence, uh, the violence, yeah, to to law enforcement. Yeah. When the public finally gets fed up with this, uh, and, and that's why I'm so appreciative of being able to be here because that's what it comes down to. But here's the here's the concern I have, which is it it just looks to me like the ongoing centralization, consolidation, and really centralization. Consolidation is one thing that to me that makes kind of sense, but centralization, that's what I learned during COVID, was that oh my god, everything's centralized. There's hospital administrators telling doctors. Stand down. Don't treat your patients. Send them home on an O2 monitor. Don't treat your patient. Yeah. Don't follow up with them because they might be infectious. What? Well, and they and we did it. And I thought something is drastically wrong. And that's where I learned that so many ER, primary care, whatnot are employed by these big systems, and they're afraid to lose their jobs. So they just they just freeze and do whatever they're supposed to do. Wow. It looks to me. Oh yeah, that's one of the main. That's why people, young people, died. Is like they didn't get any medical follow up or go home, come back when you're sick, when you're short of breath, when you're really sick, <laughs> when you need a ventilator. What the? F- yeah. yeah. Uh, but it looked when I became aware of how profound this change is. And by the way, all the 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 guys at the front line, the gals being required to follow algorithmic, you know, clinical pathways and these sort of. Do no clinical. Do no critical judgment. Do not improvise. For a surgeon, can you? Oh, this is one of the things that separated for me during the the pandemic. My surgical friends were like, "Hey, what are you trying? What do you want to do? What what, what can we might we do for patients? We're, my daughter's sick. What can I try here?" And an internist would be like, "You don't do anything. You don't. Do, they were, our, our hospital administrator says don't do anything. We can't do anything." And the surgeons were improvising because guess what? You're in a surgical field and something goes awry. You have to improvise and use your critical yeah. judgment. 
in medicine, we're being so thoroughly discouraged from using our judgment. Wow. We're going to have a bunch of robots by the time it's done. No critical judgment. No critical. No clinical, analytical, careful, yeah. improvisational kinds of stuff. Which is that the core medicine? The core is, of healthcare. Biology is not that kind of a system where yeah. it's either digital. It's A or B. <laughs> it's it's a it's a yeah. cloud. It's yeah. a, it's a it's a probability equation. And there's a gestalt that comes with experience. Absolutely, that's yeah. being completely taken yeah. out. Trust yes. me, that's being completely. Yeah. But but it's so funny that that difference emerged in my experience with my surgical colleagues versus my. The so so called what do they call it uh, intellectual what, what, what do they call that <laughs> the smart doctors the, no 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 they they have a cognitive the, the cognitive, the cognitive uh, systems yeah. yeah so that was <laughs> shocking to me but the, the point of that story is it has now looking to me like this is a systematic attempt to centralize and bureaucratize everything so we can just throw a switch and do uh, you know uh, nationalized medicine. It literally be a matter, a matter of throwing a switch well, at a certain point. At, at, you know, things are getting so bad, and I wonder at some point if that might actually be better. I, I don't know. It, it, I wonder this. I yeah. think the same yeah. way. And then yeah. I look at Can I go? Well, it can't be as bad as that. No matter what we're doing, yeah. I, I, it, it, I would not. I would thoroughly support a two tiered system. By the way, yeah, one, like one, Europe, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. One if you're willing allow, to pay, mm-hmm. one, one that allowed for because because you know one of the great. When the pandemic hit, I just said, I know my peers. I know this system. We're going to find some solutions to this. We're going to figure this out. Relax, everybody. We're going to figure it out. Um, if we are in a nationalized, centralized, bureaucratic system, we are not going to figure anything out. Hmm. We, we need that experimental, improvisational, right. um, sort of uh, entrepreneurial side to have the dynamism that brings us some of the solutions that this healthcare system brings. Now, there's lots of – we can go – there's many issues. You know, we were talking about the – providers and the insurance <laughs> resources and we could talk about regulation and we could talk about uh, the relationship between regulators and big business which is another disaster right yeah so <laughs> where should we go well we that? yeah you know it's, it's become too much of a business right yeah uh, it's become too much of a business but look there are some silver linings yep. to the pandemic one of them is that we are moving more to efficient outpatient care. Uh, which I think is long overdue. You should not, at least in my field, you should not be showing up in an ER with shoulder pain or a sprained ankle or even a minor fracture. That is not a good place to go. You break your femur, you know, yeah, yeah emergency room, right? Um, so I think the, the pandemic has brought that because of what you said, that even people who were quite sick were discouraged from going to the hospital. It was limited, limited space. And I'm not it, sure it's the limited space. It was, there was panic about infectivity. Mm-hmm. That was a lot. Of well, that's it. the other thing. So patients also don't want to go to an emergency room because they might for get that. infected. Yeah. yeah. So, so that has been good for the movement of of efficient outpatient care. Um, I, I simply think that we have to empower primary care doctors to do more what we call uh, uh, well care, not sick care. Right where they are screening you, they are uh, you know checking on you yearly, like like in the old days, and that will save a lot of money because if you can pick up things early, uh, but you're not going to do that always rushing to the hospital. No, that is geez. not the solution. Well, it's because you know I've been in all sort of demographics of the healthcare system, and uh, it's a challenge. Certain populations will not go to the doctor until they're sick; they just won't. 
And we, that's well, an educational that's what, problem. That's what, yeah. right. A lot and by of the way, some of it is because it's unpleasant and we get so encumbered <laughs> and all the stuff we've been talking yeah. about. If we can make the experience. Well, I'm glad you said that because it should be pleasant. In, in our center, it's required reading. Uh, to read something called The Endangered Customer. So it is a book about customer service. And there's another one from a fella out uh, down here who uh, wrote a book called Beyond Bedside Manor. So it is much more about making healthcare more pleasant. And people it's would not be, that hard. It, it isn't that hard. No. Yeah. So, so you're just ortho now in your uh, centers, or are you going to well, do everything? Uh, yeah. No, we're just orthopedics in in Milwaukee now. I'm my practice is separate. It, it's which is called Badia Hand and Shoulder, and uh, so I'm an upper limb surgeon. But again, the reason I started ortho now is I found that people coming to my practice had had an inc- incredibly inefficient and, and and costly experience, and not to mention the bad part, which is missing things that could have been treated. In, in, a, in a particular way earlier, earlier, and then and then all of a sudden do require surgery or require a more um, salvage type procedure when you could have a much simpler surgery. Mm-hmm. And I have stories like this all the time. The problem is even local um, uh, government is not listening, right? I mean, in our county, it's I've been for for 15 years trying to explain this, to, and and even having you know meetings with the top brass. And they're just not willing to change. And I don't know why that is. I'm still trying to figure it out. Describe what you're offering to these guys. That- I'll give you an example. Yeah. Uh, and this this guy actually won an award. The police officer won an award at the uh, in the state of Florida. The Florida Workers' Comp, they give an annual award for, uh, for an, a patient that goes back to work after significant injury. So here's a police officer, city of Miami, gets thrown. Him and his partner get thrown uh, from their motorcycle, lady who turns left and they fly over the hood, bikes totaled. He breaks his left uh, clavicle, collarbone, um, and injures his thumb on his throttle hand. So uh, he goes to the trauma center, the big, which is an excellent uh, hospital rider trauma at, at uh, Jackson Memorial. But there was, you know, once they cleared his head and any any other major internal injuries. See an he was sent out. See an orthopedist right, a week. Right. Well, no, he because it was a work injury, he gets sent to an occupational health center. Oh, my God. They keep seeing him back every week, oh. and the patient himself says, Doc, you know, I broke my collarbone here. It, it, it hurts. When am I going to see somebody who can make a decision about it? Well, guess when he got to me? Three Almost months. four weeks later. Oh, no, well. not, no, it wasn't. In yeah, California, it's been three months. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. Uh, because, for, because four weeks is because, long enough. I mean, because people yeah. like you here are so overburdened that you can't get in for months and months. Not, not that they couldn't. The referral might have taken a month, but getting in would have been th- three months. Right, but when you but this was an acute. I agree. I I mean, he didn't have shoulder pain. He had an acute injury, yeah. and uh, so long story short, I, I I plate his collarbone. I do it the same day. So left collarbone, I put a plate on. I fix the ligament in his thumb. Small open incision. Fix the. Uh, the uh, collateral ligament. He's in a cast there for about three weeks, let the ligament heal, does some hand therapy, and he's back on a bike within 90 days, even with that one-month delay. He's back on a bike serving the public. There has been zero recognition of this, of what he what he went through or what, what he did in our community level. Mm. Yet in the state of Florida, he got this award. He actually went up to, um, to Orlando to receive it. I was supposed to go. I'd gotten the award... Also, the first time it was offered about 12 years ago. This time I didn't go. I had patients. I said, you know what? I'm not going to cancel a half day of patients to go when I know there'll be no change. And that's sad, right? That's sad because I'm very willing 
to do this to educate the public, to recognize uh, what this, this, this guy going back to work. The, the, the local police union hasn't recognized it. The, I've, I've sent a picture to the mayor himself. Um, there just is an interest. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I know that, uh, that I'll get chastised for this, but, you know, it's, at this point, we got, we got to say it is what it is. And, um, so what's the solution to that? Something you may not know, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation, 25% of Americans live more than an hour from a Tier 1 or Tier 2 trauma center. If you're one of those 83 million people, have you thought about what kind of immediate help is available should you need it and what might be the cost? Well, there's an easy way to stress less and free yourself from that financial worry, an Air MedCare Network membership. Air MedCare Network's participating providers transport critically ill or injured patients in fully equipped state-of-the-art helicopters, but being an Air MedCare Network member brings expert care and financial peace of mind because you will have no out-of-pocket expense course when flown by and only when flown by an AMCN provider. You can become a member for just $99 per year and your entire household is covered. Right now, Dr. Drew podcast listeners get up to an $80 MasterCard or Amazon e-gift card when you join AMCN when you use the offer code DREW, D-R-E-W. Protect your family, protect your finances. There's just no reason not to. Visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash Drew today. When you find the right physician, you can feel it. You feel at ease. You feel like you're being heard. ZocDoc, finding that physician, well, the one that's right for you, is seamless. The quality you need is just a few taps away in the ZocDoc app. Nothing worse than going to a physician's office expecting to you know, be heard and, and uh, sort of clicking with the doctor. But of course, uh, they're looking at their computer. You may not feel as though they're paying attention to you. With ZocDoc, you'll find quality doctors who focus on you, listen to you, and prioritize your care. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient reviews, take your insurance, and are available when you need them and treat almost every condition under the sun. ZocDoc, no surprises, no alarms. Choose from thousands of patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. Browse doctor profiles, upload and verify your insurance information, and get the care you need. Go to ZocDoc.com slash Drew and download that ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated physician today. That's right, find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That is zocdoc.com slash Drew, zocdoc.com slash Drew. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And of course, working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of yourself uh, because, well, when you're with a with a therapist, you can feel empowered, feel more prepared to take on things in your life. It's having somebody in your corner. And of course, I think people are aware I'm a big fan of therapy. And with better help, there's no longer uh, any excuses, everybody. This idea of stigma or embarrassment of running into somebody, nonsense. It's all online. And I've repeatedly said I've sent patients, family, friends, and I've been very pleased with the services they provide. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It is convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch anytime for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Just visit betterhelp.com slash Drew today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash Drew. 
dialogue and that you said education. Of the patients or of the representatives? Of the system. Of the system. Uh, The patients as well, because then they can motivate the people in charge, whether it be our legislators. I mean, we just went through midterms, right? I mean, you saw it. Uh, The patients have... the public has some power. So again, I want to get back to ortho now. How yeah. does that solve some of these problems? Oh, oh, very easy. Um, very easy. The All the powers to be deciding on where an injured worker goes would have an app. Uh. And that app right on their phone would, would say they could literally refer. There's a referral button. Or they could say the guy's partner saying he wasn't that hurt could say on my way now. You could, you could order a Lyft or an Uber within the app. You can describe what the injury is. Hey, I think I busted my shoulder. My, my, my thumb hurts. You send a picture of the injury, and you could estimate when you're going to arrive. And it's a walk-in clinic. And this is awesome. But, but yeah. I'm just thinking, <laughs> if you, if you, so you're going to see an orthopedist. Yes, which you're going to see somebody who. You're not going to yeah. see an ER doctor. That's one of the big No, no, you're going to, actually, what you're going to see, because, for one, I haven't treated back pain or you know knee problems in 30 years, right? Uh-huh. So you're going to see an, an orthopedic clinician who's usually an orthopedic trained PA, uh-huh. although for a year we did have a, an MD who had done orthopedic residency and decided to go into radiology. In fact, he's out here now uh, training. Uh, we had him for a year, but it didn't make a difference. If you have somebody who knows well, orthopedics, that, and then they'll send that x-ray to me. I've, I've gotten it while I'm here in LA. I, I get the x-ray of the collarbone, I'm here in LA. I'll say, you know what? Let me see on Monday to discuss surgery because that needs a plate and screws. Mm. That's it. So that that can be done in literally seconds. Mm. That is a big difference from going to a general Oc Health Center. Then they say you need a you need to see an orthopedist. Nobody's sending me that X-ray uh, through an app or uh, to to get them in quicker. So they're just letting the system control it. And wouldn't you still have to send them to the occupational health system? Not necessarily, no, because we we do occupational injuries as well. Now, we don't do routine pre-employment physicals. We don't do, say, pulmonary function tests. Oh, my God. This is how encumbered uh, the system yeah. is. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure people – I know what you're talking about, yeah. but I'm sure people – Listening, just like what? What are they talking? About? <laughs> they just phase out. That, but that's how. Okay, well, let's make it simple. You have an injury at work. You should be able to see somebody who treats that in those yes, injuries. Yes. yes, but that's how crazy yeah. complicated the system is. Right. We can immediately break down into well, you get the PFTs over here, and you get the yeah. occupational, and the occupational therapist over here, and then the return to work is yeah. over here. And I, I, I personally, I hate systems. I hate them. I hate bureaucratic systems. Yeah. So I'm very well, sensitive to stuff. It immediately <laughs> works me up. I, I just want to take that patient by the hand and go, let me take you through this and let's just get you back to work. You know, that, That's what should happen. I, yeah. I got an email this morning from somebody that does sort of coordinated cancer care. And I'm looking at it, I'm going, that is my job as a primary care. Are they not doing that now? People aren't helping the patient pick the right oncologist, get the grief counseling, understand all the other, seeing the patient regularly, understanding the follow-up issues that come along with the chemo, getting the home environments, whatever it is. That's my job. So, so, so a, non, a non-clinical person is making these yeah. decisions. Yeah. This, well, not just yeah. decisions, but having to be hired to do the work to navigate the system. Primary care right. should be navigating the system. Right. You should be an ombudsman, number one. Because how how does anybody understand how to navigate the system unless you've been working right. in it for a unless long time? Unless you've been time? in the trenches, right? It's so yeah. insane. It's yes. so insane, the system. And by the way, it's gotten so insane, I've been failing at being able to help people navigate it. You can't do it anymore. It just it, I, not on the ortho side. Either. I'm talking about the psych side. Yeah, the psych side is just like, oh my god, 
It's insane. Well, each sector obviously has its uh, challenges, uh, <laughs> but the, over, the overall system uh, is broken. People are saying, and the, the amazing thing is, we have incredible uh, healthcare quality. I mean, in terms of the the advances in the, and it's just the problem is the access, and the access is hurting all our numbers. Right? If you look yeah. at our our our, uh, our our health monitor numbers, they're they're very they're quite low compared to much of the industrialized world. Yeah, and it, it's because the system is is so, so overly overly complicated. Now there, there's you know I, I'm sighing a little bit every time I think of these things. Now, now some people will say, "Oh, it's equity problem. That's why our numbers are so bad." I I don't know. I I, I think whenever equity as opposed to accessibility and mm-hmm. an equal you know equitable accessibility as opposed yep. to equity of outcome I, I don't understand the focus on equity of outcome in healthcare it seems impossible I mean how am I gonna take a 22 year old male let's say a 22 year old male breaks his wrist mm-hmm. and a 75 year old female break their breaks her hip how are they gonna end up in the same place how's that how's that how could you have equity of outcome I guess they want all hip fractures to end in the same place but that's equally as insane. Because everybody's a, these are that's why you have to train doctors because every system is so different every biological system every individual right, patient right. is so different and I, I'm I'm very worried about that I think that you know one you mentioned you you've come to Los Angeles from Florida and you notice there's yes. a bunch of closed businesses that's because we have a public health official here who runs the show who sees equity as the one and only priority of health, of uh, public <laughs> right. health and and how do you do that. It, it, I'm all about equitable access, equality of access, all about it. Equity of outcome makes zero sense in healthcare. It's just you can't – it's not biological. It's not, that's, not, that's not how biological systems work. Oh, wait, we have to rely on science not being politically correct. Let's, yeah. let's face it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, do it the best uh, we can. Right. I mean, for sure, do the best we can. Yeah. And look at it and see is this an, you know, it's a problem with why things is a, is a big disparity of outcomes. All about it. But, yeah. but to demand equity of outcome is, is extremely harmful. To some people, and yeah. uh, I, I worry about that. Uh, and then I I worry about I worry about how we're training our peers sometimes now too. You know, they're being trained oh in these gosh. algorithmic systems, and oh they gosh. and they're yeah. limited hours. You and know, all I, stuff. I I lived uh, through that. I was a resident at Bellevue when when one of my co interns, who I, I don't recall meeting her, she was a ear, nose, and throat surgeon, and she blew the whistle to the New York Post. And the headline, and I still have the original, um, the headline was Sleepless Doctors. Oh, yeah. Right. So you remember, remember the that. Libby Zion case. I remember that. Right? Right? Being an addiction specialist. Yeah. So Libby Zion, of course, her father being uh, having a lot of access to the newspaper world, uh, basically they blew up this concept that because residents were working hard that we were harming patients. Yeah. And now, and by the way, no evidence yeah. of that in follow-up no, research. No, there has been no Zero. evidence. Yeah, yeah. We, we we were we had we had some tired nights, but we, we the system worked, well, and we I, were well trained. Right. See, yeah. I don't understand how th- there was an. It's not just you know when men were men kind of stuff. It's <laughs> how, how do you how do you train somebody to prioritize the patient over everything else in the moment. How miserable you are, whatever you're thinking about, how depressed you're, whatever, how sleepless you are, you 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 can train yourself to overcome all that and prioritize the care yeah, of the right. patient over everything. That's what we learned, right? 
and they're not learning that now. No. And um, so, so, like, to us yeah. to leave at 5 o'clock, we, 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 like, <laughs> couldn't, we couldn't do it. It's like, right. why, why about patience? Why yeah, did, yeah. How would I do that? How do I leave? Well, I, I, I would remember being told in the morning when, when AD enacted this when I was a second-year resident. And I, I have to say we, we did not completely adhere. Uh, our chairman of general surgery was a you know an icon. Old school. Uh, yeah, the boss. We call him the boss, Frank Spencer. Did you do – was this an intern or a residency? Right? Uh, so – I was an intern in general surgery, and the the chairman of the department was a Frank Spencer, uh, amazing man, and uh, the, all this came down. So I remember when I was second year resident, we were trying to comply with some of these things, which was very difficult, right? Because there's a certain amount of work that has to be done. But I remember my um, my senior resident said I had to go home, and I, I said, "Look, I want to watch this ankle replacement being done by the chairman. I'd never, we'll I'd, had, we'll I'd, I'd never seen it. it. Yeah." I'd never seen one done, and guess what? I haven't seen one since. Oh, so I've never seen an ankle replacement because uh, I was sent home. And I said, look, I'll, well, that's the other I'll stand thing. in the corner. I'll be quiet. That's <laughs> you know? the other thing. There are enough literally hours in the day. Yeah. You have to take it away from sleep to see all the stuff we exactly. need to see. Exactly. And sleep I, is, uh, I don't want, I don't, I'm not going to use the word overrated, but, well, well, <laughs> but the point you know, is you can do a lot, right? Yeah. I, well, I so compare, you're a surgical resident. So yeah. you're, I can predict just by your choice of <laughs> both having done general surgery and ortho, that tells me a lot, yeah. that you're a four-hour night sleeper. You can, you can do fine with that. I can do yeah, yeah, fine. I'm yeah. not so good with that. <laughs> I'm not so good with that. But I trained myself to do it for years and years and years. Sure. Uh, but I, but I, it was not good for my health, but, but I yeah. could do it, you know. And I did it for years and years in practice, you know. And my, I had this incredible experience where I was going to be a cardiologist. That's sort of the road I was going oh. down. But I, but I, because I was really good in critical care, and uh, I started moonlighting a psychiatric hospital, and that's how I got very went down that road. Ah. And I ended up having three careers in one. I would do hospital medicine in the morning, including critical care. When when um, when the uh, COVID again, this COVID was very enlightening in many ways. Not not none of them particularly appealing, <laughs> but one of them was um, I signed up for the uh, New York uh, physician uh, sort of what, what would you call it volunteer group you know, oh, to, wow. to yeah, go yeah. and work in the ICUs. Yeah. And uh, I went so far as getting through the interview process. Uh, the, and the, the the what happened was the the uh, pandemic in New York kind of wound down right around then, so they stopped bringing physicians oh, in. See. But I was ready to go. I was excited. I thought this would huh? be great, be interesting. And they were interviewing me, and they go, "Hey, you don't want to manage vent? You don't put an A line in? Put a swan in? Blah blah blah." I'm like, "Yeah, I do all. I did it for years." Yeah. And they're like, "What? Are you a hospitalist? Right? Like, <laughs> no, no, no. You're an intensivist, right? No, I'm an." I'm a general internist. We used to do all of that. Right. I did that for like 15 years as as a practicing physician. I'd put right. lines in. I'd do ventilator management. I did all. The, I I was the one doing the ICU care. The pulmonary guys came around and consulted me. Right. You know, helped me manage certain things that maybe I wasn't doing right or needed more or advice with. They didn't manage the case. I managed the case. Right. Not anymore. We're losing that. Yeah. They, oh, lost. Yeah, they, they were shocked. Yeah. The New York was like, well, "How could that be? You're not a hospitalist." You. So anyway. Uh, why did I bring that all up? Oh, so I had this crazy experience where I would do hospital care and critical care in the morning. I would do outpatient medicine until about 1 or 2. And then I'd go to the psychiatric hospital and stay there until 10 o'clock at night. So I had sort of three careers in one. And stuff oh. I got to see so much as a result of that effort. And I had an experience that nobody has today. So I've seen medicine and psychiatry broadly. I mean, really wow. broad experience. And so my my goal now is to try to kind of unload that, give back what I've seen. And some of the some of my uh, sort of desire is in exactly where you're tr putting your focus, which is trying to help the system, which is not an easy task. Yeah. It's it's a complicated system. It's why it's 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 better 
distributed rather than centralized. It's almost like economics. You know, it's it's the invisible hand at work. It's all that basic stuff we know about mm-hmm. how economics works. You over centralized anything that is basically a service or a exchange of goods. You over centralize it. It's a, it's not good. It's communism essentially. And I'm not saying that we have a communistic system. I'm saying I'm saying it as <laughs> but, a as a model for yep. why we shouldn't go that way because it tends not to work. And then. You know, people can then point at Canada and the UK, and then the UK kind of works, but really Germany well, works, right? Germany yes, right. works. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't want to let out the uh, the the ending into my, but I, I we talk about some solutions, and certainly Germany uh, actually does work. Yeah, and, um, and has worked for yeah, years. Yeah, but but the, the 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 difference here is that you just in a matter of two minutes provided an incredible perspective. That legislators don't understand. No, our, our peers don't understand because yeah. we're all so well, the, siloed in the, our experience. Yeah, yeah. This is where we started this yeah, conversation. Yeah. You're going at five o'clock. You're not having the experience I had. I was getting up at five thirty. I was going home at ten o'clock at night if I went home. Yeah. And two nights a week, I stayed in the hospital for years. Well, that that. But then again, that that was criticized, and that's a part people don't understand. I, I compare the training of a Navy SEAL right, yes. to to re- yes. residency. Can you believe a a medic, the one that a few bad reviews I had about the book was? Oh, how dare I compare the certain training? Oh no, it's an to, excellent uh, yeah. comparison. Uh, but it, that's but of course that was coming from a colleague. Isn't that amazing? Well, um, so I went. I actually did a reality show that's be airing right now. Um, where I trained as a Navy SEAL in the in the Jordanian desert. Oh wow! And that was one of my first thoughts was, oh, I know how to do this. And this was different <laughs> having the physical stuff. And the, yeah. the the thing about Navy SEALs is they have you off balance all the time. Right. You're always you're always having to figure out what's going to come at you next. It's kind certain, of similar. It, to a certain extent, when, it's the same. At least in medicine, it's more focused, and you know, it comes in little focus-controlled things where you're like, "Okay, I got to solve this." It's yeah. not always off balance. Not always. Thank God. Although when you're on call for the trauma unit, they, they, yeah. you well, kind of always are. Which, which is why <laughs> LA County. Which is why I don't do that. Yeah. I, I I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah, most I did a don't. I did a Saturday Saturday night surgical yeah. uh, thir- rotation at LA County yeah. where every seven minutes the elevator. <laughs> opened up and a gunshot wound and a stab wound came out and rolled right. out onto the floor and we had to do the triage. And uh, yeah, I thought, no, nah, this isn't for me. Yeah. <laughs> this is not my no, thing. It's, it's but a, it also it's made me understand you guys and, and what who, who it is for, yeah. you know, what, what you guys are made of and what, why yeah. you're able to do that. And, and uh, it's not my but thing. The, the, but the point is, it's it's really just with this discussion, you can see it's in the hands of the, uh, the clinicians. Those of us in the trenches really should be involved in the dialogue of... Um, Basically, reformulating our healthcare system, and we're not. Should we, it we be on not. a state by state basis? Because every state is kind of different in terms of all the regulations. Like I'm thinking yeah, about yeah. California and your ortho now thing. I think you'd have problems here with uh, Stark laws and all that stuff because you'd be referring to your own X-ray system. Well, Pete, you can't do that here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Pete Stark's from here, so we'd have to consult with him. <laughs> right. Uh, well, yeah, look, that's why there's healthcare attorneys, right? Uh, a lot of these things is can be done a, in a compliant efficient. way. Let's bring yeah. an attorney into this. Yeah. That'll make things I better. Know, I know. Uh. Uh, as long as you get to the same solution, one way. You know, sometimes you have to bob and weave, but but it's not that complicated yeah. to be able to say if somebody gets hurt or somebody has you know severe back pain or shoulder pain that they could walk into a center and see somebody who can maybe treat them then and there. Yeah. Or get them to the right person, but all using digital uh, technology. We we have not, you know. I I, I asked a question of Mister Wonderful. I w- he was at a 
Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank, mm. was at a, uh, a surgery center conference that I attended in Chicago. And I asked him a question, and he admitted that he hadn't answered it. Wow. But he went off on this tangent, which was wonderful, that he said, why is it we, we all have this technology in our hands. Why can't we use that to improve healthcare? Right. Why is it that our medical records cannot be on, on the phone and accessible to anybody in the system that sees us? Yes. Well, we are. We, there, there's a lot out there of digital health, but I don't see it being embraced in the system. And perhaps that is a bureaucracy that you're talking about. Well, but I think some of that is this weird <laughs> obsession with HIPAA and all that stuff. Like the, any well, possibility yes. that somebody can interfere with our yeah. records. People can see my records. I don't give a shit. Yeah. My records, yeah. personally. Maybe you could opt in or out or something. Maybe there's some way to... Opt into Listen, HIPAA is a common sense thing, right? You don't run into a pharmacy and the pharmacist says, yells down the hall and says, hey, you know, where's that HIV drug? Yeah. That, you, you know, right. that doesn't happen. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a multi-billion dollar uh, bureaucracy. Yes, another that one. Is another encumbrance. That another is encumbrance. Yeah. Another encumbrance of our system. Yeah, it's – I get so frustrated talking about this stuff. <laughs> is, is it weird to you that we don't have – it's just weird to me that we don't have some sort of um, ad hoc committee or something of physicians. Well, there, or- there is discussion about that. Let me let me just give a plug to uh, uh, somebody who I believe is supposed to be the next chairman of the uh, House Ways and Means Committee, right? So Congressman Vern Buchanan is from Florida. And Vern Buchanan um, is really understands uh, that the physicians have to have control, mm. and that is a way to save money. Mm. He, he gets that. So he um, has talked about having a sort of national committee of people actually um, who are you know in the trenches, who, who actually will have good ideas to implement. You know what two other people that would be really good to get in this conversation? Ben Carson. Yes. Who understands bureaucracies and <laughs> and being a surgeon, yep. right? He's done both, yep. uh, and teaching and training and all. He's he's a great guy. Yep. Just a, he's a good guy. The people get negative on him. I cannot understand. It. I, know. I I just it just makes uh, me. It's amazing. Weird. Uh, the other would be Mark Cuban. Uh, he has he has a lot yeah. of interest in healthcare and efficiency, and I yes, and he's a good thinker. I, I think he'd be open to a lot of ideas and and would have ways to sort of find capital to to. Get it going and stuff. I, I don't know. I think the amazing thing is it doesn't even require that much capital because it's simply not. it's simply uh, tweaking the 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 uh, the way in a pa- the way a patient accesses care and using yeah. technology. Yeah, it, it, that 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 is not an expensive undertaking by hey, any means. Listen, I have I have one thing that would change everything, which is you know they have all these parity laws for mental health, and I've been through three waves of parity law. Right, you should be able to access your mental health resources with the same level of effectiveness and efficiency as your medical resources. So let me just tell you, and when I when I was well, whenever you hear in, in a psychiatric system that it's, you have to have a doctor-to-doctor review, it means you have to discharge your patient. They never approve the ongoing care. And, oh, wow. and they usually admit- From an insurance carrier, you mean? Correct. Oh, okay, yeah. And they usually ask for the, the, as they're admitted, they ask for the doctor review, which means the patient has to be out tomorrow. That's wow. what that means. That's constant, constant. Um, what am I trying to say about this? Uh, this is not even post-COVID. This is just how my brain works. Um, <laughs> just a lot to think about. <laughs> well, it's just that, that okay. So, so, so three, so, three so different levels. You, yes, of the, co- of the, yeah. of the um, parody. parody. Um, and so what I would do is go, I would use 
peripheral medical concerns that really were zero, not really not any concern to scare the mental oh, health right. reviewer into muscling another couple of days. I'd go, God, I hear a mid-systolic click, and I and she's a <laughs> cocaine addict. I think she could have endomyocardial ischemia, and so I need an echo. Don't you think we need an echo before we can let her go home? Oh, 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 oh yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. That could be the next outpatient wow. completely easily because they're – fucking ignorant they don't know anything about medicine they just know get the patient out and they're muscling the mental health side this is this is the kind of stupidity that's out well there. You, ha you shouldn't have to be strategic correct so here's the one about delivering care here's the one thing that's absent in every parity bill every parity bill still allows for the insurance company to set the criteria for ongoing care the criteria for ongoing care should be it is the doctor's opinion that the patient needs it period Period. Yeah, that ends the whole thing. Well, they, well, they again, never with oversight, right? With yeah, oversight, you can have In reasonable words, oversight. Yeah. Sure, I mean, but you not not interference. Is a difference. It, there is a difference, yeah. and but you're going to have to be very careful with how you because believe me, the oversight thing. That's the way it used to be. It right, used right, to be like right. that, and then it just became it perverted. Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, so just just the reinstitution of physician judgment as a criteria for care would change everything. It would change everything because right now our judgment means nothing. Right, but why? Why are the insurance companies doing that? And the the, the here's the elephant in the room, and mm -hmm. nobody wants to talk about yeah. is why is it health insurance companies are for profit? Yeah. Why are they answering to yeah. investors? I agree. I have no problem with the United. You you see what the the, the health plan CEOs make mm -hmm. right in a year, and, mm -hmm. but I'm a capitalist, so I don't care. But they shouldn't be answering to investors. Yep. If an insurance company runs their 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 gig very efficiently. Yep. I don't care if the CEO makes a lot of money. Yep. Right? But they shouldn't be answering to Wall Street. Yep. And you saw what United Healthcare just posted in quarterly five billion dollars. Yeah. Pure profit. Right. And and so none of that profit goes to your healthcare. In fact it's because yeah. of restriction to your healthcare they exactly. get their profit. Exactly. And they also take a certain amount of money and put it into funds and bonds and things to uh, for <laughs> what? I don't investments, know. Right. Yeah. It's like what But the yet hell? yet Medicare wants to cut us 4.5% come three weeks from now. So you think about how many people are fleeing. This is another problem in healthcare. We're supposed to have a physician shortage in the coming decade of 120,000 yeah. physicians. Two of my colleagues, one I trained with, one was my intern. So he's younger than me. Works in one of the big yeah. healthcare, I don't want to say who, because I, I actually respect this healthcare system, but he is retiring come mm -hmm. spring. Both of my colleagues are retiring. They're not that old. Oh, listen, That's on, scary. On, on the medis general medicine side, it's you yeah. got to be out of your mind to go into it. you got to be out of your mind. <laughs> but yet okay. healthcare, um, I mean, uh, medical school applications are up. It's very interesting. Well, they're not going into general medicine. They're going no. into surgical subspecialties right. and things. Right. And you can make a living there. You can't yeah. make a living on the, on the medical side. Yeah. And, uh, and, it's, and it's painful and it's difficult and you get all the misery. You get all the death and dying. You get all the upset family. You get all the insurance nonsense. You get all the liability. So, well, so here's an idea. Uh, a surgeon uh, colleague of mine, an orthopedist, uh, was talking to me about this, about paying primary care physicians, the old style family doctor, mm -hmm. very well for a comprehensive exam every year. And there would be incentives mm -hmm. that you would have to have well, an exam. Well, so you that, pick up. We call that concierge service and people pay for that out of No, no, but the insurance company or, or should, our uh, system should, should pay for that because they'll yeah. get the money back. They will get the money back. Uh, I think. 
I'm not sure. Oh, I I, well, I, I the, think if you the, pick up that the, that that colon cancer early, you you that that you know that, yeah, that S two gallop uh, the cardiac, uh, you'd see that early. But they cover the colonoscopies already. You know what I mean? Yeah, but and, but the patients many times are not doing it because there isn't that relationship with the, the family doctor. Yep. Which is critical. I, I agree. But the actuarials must be in on this already. They have some sort of opinion <laughs> about it. They must. So we need to sit down with them, Drew. Yeah. No, that's, I agree. That's the reality. Uh, no, I agree. I have no problem with but that. But there is, there is this veiled <sighs> avoidance of the insurance industry with the clinicians. Mm. I never I – go, I go to these meetings. I go to the Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, the Hand Society, all the – there is never an insurance person there. Yeah. Yeah. Nor is there an active clinician at their conferences. There is this, they're like ships passing in the night that never interact. That's absolutely crazy. Well, let me tell you the game, how bad it gets. So here's the game on the psychiatric side. So uh, I, patient comes in, patient needs two months of structured care of some type. The insurance company says, we'll give you two days, patient's out. Patient calls the insurance company and goes, why, why are doctors discharging me? Oh, well, we don't practice medicine. The doctor just <laughs> needs to tell us what, why you need care, what the care is. They don't tell right. the patient that, we, that they, I, have to, I have to meet their criteria, which this patient didn't meet. So then I have to go to the patient and go, no, uh, it, I'm sorry. It, it's not – I think you need the care. You don't, they've set criteria you don't meet. Patient complains. Uh, I complain. Patient goes home, kills himself. Uh, the insurance companies go, we don't practice medicine. That's Dr. Pinchy's name on the chart. That's yeah. him discharging That's the patient. Or I keep the patient in and they incur tons of financial liability, which is terrible for the patient. I then make a complaint, have an appeal, constantly appealing. So now I'm a problem with the insurance carrier. The appeals never go anywhere. Sometimes they get abusive. I make complaints upstream. Now I'm really a problem in the eyes of the insurance company. Now I tell the up-the-stream guys, look, I'm going to have to make a complaint to the state. Oh, Dr. Pinsky, really? You don't appreciate how we do business? You don't have to do business with anymore. We'll decertify you from our insurance carry. In fact, we'll decertify the whole hospital. Wow. So the threatened decertification of the hospital if you make enough So noise. the question is, that family, the, per, the person who took their own life, their illness, who does the family blame it on? Doctor, I think exactly always, and and I see this with people who try to come see me, and it's amazing. They get angry at me. I'm like, wait a second. I have eight staff. I'm a solo surgeon practice. I have eight staff members. I have overhead, and you're going to be upset with me when when your insurance company doesn't want to reimburse. I mean, get upset at the at the people who are but the insurance who are carrier puts it back on you and yes, says, "Oh, doctor, if Doctor Badia would just tell us what you need." Of course, you know, <laughs> you know, come on, come on now. Well, this, yeah. but this is the power of education, hey, look, right? You know, and, and social and, media can 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 really turn the tide. I, I mean, I, in general really, medicine right now, it's what it's forty dollars, forty six dollars, or something for uh, every fifteen minutes that you put with a patient, and it costs one hundred and fifty dollars an hour to run a practice. No, no, so there you go. Unsustainable. There it is. Yeah. And, and that's if. You, and by the way, back in the medicine side, the addiction medicine side, I'd say 40 percent of what I did there was free services. Oh sure. And they have no problem with that with you giving free yeah. services. They're they're happy. Insurance companies. Oh, they, get, they, they, they encourage that. that yeah, they muscle you into that position. So here here is my take on that, and that really angers me is that they are preying on our altruism. Yeah, our training. They know that physicians ultimately, in most cases, will put the patient ahead. Right, yeah. and want to do the right thing. 
and yet we have, many have trouble paying their bills yeah. because of that. That is, it's shameful. And again, well, the question is, when will the public understand Well, that? it's why there's going to be a shortage. <laughs> what's right. going to happen. you got to right. be crazy. All right. So listen, we're not solving it today. Uh, <laughs> read the book and learn more about this. Again, the book is Healthcare from the Trenches. Uh, you get a sense of what we're getting into here. Follow Dr. Badia at his website, drbadia.com. And we're going to do something clinical before we fully wrap up. Uh, listeners okay. of my podcast know I complain about my shoulders all the time. So you're going to tell me about my shoulders right now. Okay. Ready? Ready. So uh, I've been avoiding seeing an orthopedist because okay. I feel like I'm not willing to have any procedures done anyway. So why go down the path? But it's getting really bad. <laughs> it's getting so bad. Uh, I, I have trouble past, you know, actively yep. extending above here. This one passively and actively will not will not go very far. Uh, this one is unstable. When I do like a like an incline press, it, it, it slips back. There's like yep. a... Like a labrum or something. Yep. Uh, and both rotator cuffs, as I sit here, are in active pain. They, so is the pain push, worse at night or during the day? You can just pu- push on my rotator cuff, then I will tell you. Oh, here, give me. Yeah. Yeah. No, don't do it to me because it's going to hurt. No, no <laughs> press, press out. I can do that. Okay, now I'll do the same thing up here. Yeah, even just right bringing it down. Is so that's, pain. yeah, infraspinatus, and you may have a superior label tear, a slap lesion, which is typical of athletic guys yeah. like you. That, yeah. that and is, this side's even worse. This yeah. side, and, and there's some, there's some. <laughs> well, uh, let me see your internal rotation. Yeah. Oh, you can't. So you have an impingement problem. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a mechanical so that's problem. That's impingement on this side. Yeah. yeah. So and that's the AC an joint? MRI will tell you. Well, it could be AC joint or more commonly the coracochromial ligament. Mm. Uh, the bicep tendon, which goes intraarticular, yep. could be impinging or catching underneath that. And that's why you have trouble raising your arms. Also, when I do curls, I have trouble stabilizing a little bit. Well, yeah, that's, so that's, a, that's, that's the bicep. Yeah. So it may be a, a slap tear, which is, uh, listen, <laughs> that's a young man's injury. Yeah. <laughs> that and, is. And are they- probably had it, You probably had it for years. And what's the recovery time? It, it's actually not as bad as you think. I, I, by the, the way, scope, I feel like I got it from, I don't know if this makes any yeah. sense at all, but I feel like I developed both side problems from doing- uh, Close and wide grip incline uh, 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 pull-ups with weights. Like I feel like that's where I really did my damage. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why. It didn't make sense to me how. No, the, it, it's because yeah. usually a pushing exercise. That's what I would think, yeah, right? Yeah, well, yeah. the pushing is where I notice it. That's okay. where I see it all the time. Well, but, let's let, let's get to the crux. Uh, all right, what do I need to do? see a more careful way. We, we, we I think we all doctors all hate hallway consults. Yes, yes, of right? course. But this, this so, is for entertainment yeah, purposes. For entertainment. Only. Uh, uh, and no, education. no. I, I think for one, we'll get the real one tonight when I see you or tomorrow night. <laughs> tomorrow night <laughs> after a drink. Yeah. Uh, no, the gestalt is so important, right? Yeah. Because I look at at your your, your age group, your, uh, your 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 complaint, your 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 physical status. I've lifted weight since I was right. sixteen. Right. Never so stopped. all of those things well, together tell me something. Yeah. Um, yes, I would get a plain X-ray because it's inexpensive. Mm-hmm. And it may tell me if you have AC arthritis. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had both shoulders scoped for that, and I'm I'm back to doing whatever I want in okay. the gym. Okay. So that's very successful. But what we really need is the MRI. Yeah. So let's let's both talk shoulders. about that with healthcare, right? Both shoulders, right? Well, I would get both because yeah. both hurt and it's yeah. more efficient, right? Yeah. It's more cost effective. Uh, well, you can do both hurt. while you're lying there? You can do yeah, both. Yeah, you oh. do one side and the other. Yeah. You gotta be in the machine a uh, yeah. little more than an hour. Yeah. But it's worth it. But but then then we can have a plan. Now the the, the conservative treatment may be, simply be uh platelets, something that helps heal PRP. PRP. Uh, but it, but if you have a significant labral tear or certainly like a full thickness cuff tear, then I I, I think that is going to be a waste of time. An arthroscopy takes uh, in, in somebody's in skilled hands takes about thirty five to forty minutes, yep. where you would see the problem, take photographs. I'd show you in a recovery room, 
fix it, and the fixing will determine how long you're in a sling, but it would probably be no more than three weeks. You'd be able to use a computer. You have short hair, so it won't be a problem for, for fixing your hair. And other <laughs> I, already than that, I already can barely shampoo yeah, my hair. Barely, yeah. So, um, so the reality is you won't even need to miss work. And, and this fear that people have about pain, that's, that's in the it, past. Yeah, I'm worried about pain. My thing is about age and maintaining, because I, I know how fast I lose territory if I'm not working out at my age. And that you would work on core. You would I, I walk. Get it. You would you would do other things, and believe me, three or four weeks goes by quickly. That's true. All right, and because you're athletic, your rehab will go by that much faster. I'm telling you that you'd be back. I my patients who come see me with this, who are say tennis players, who have yeah. probably, I have a guy who flew from Australia. I told him I think he had a, a labral repair. He's it's hurt him for three or four years. Mm. I had to operate on his wrist, so he said, "You know what? While I'm in Miami, let me just have you scope my shoulder." We did. We found a labral tear, and he's back in Sydney, and he'll be um, he'll be back on the court between three and four months. It's not the end of the world because he's been playing, but with pain and not being effective. Yeah, yeah. No, I've been so, working around it for quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, and I can tell you from my experience, having had both shoulders scoped, that uh, these things are very uh, they're just very successful. By nowadays. avoiding it, am I really going to end up in serious trouble at some point? Well, think of the labrum as a zipper. Yeah. So if you have a little tear, the zipper just starts unwinding, and yeah. that labral tear becomes bigger. Mm. That's all. It just becomes harder to repair. And now the 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 final outcome could be predicated based upon the size mm. but you know fixing something's fixing something it, yeah, if yeah. it's torn it's torn it's like being a little bit pregnant yeah yeah it's it, it, it torn I'm is not torn sure i've got that on the right but i've definitely got but it the mri right. will tell you <laughs> the mri will tell you I, yeah you're right that's what i got that's, that's <laughs> what it is i know it. i've known it for quite some time all right well listen that was fun and i appreciate it and sure. he actually moved me closer to maybe doing something about this sooner than oh, later like you said it's all about education I, I may come to miami and when i visit you down there i'll come and just get it done you have to well, do one and then how long after can you do the other oh uh, i mean I would say probably three months because you know you'd, want, you'd want to get the, some, the function back in yeah. the other so you're not encumbered. I get it. The, yeah. the other thing for me is um, I just do really poorly with anesthesia and tissue damage. So whenever I've had any kind of operation, I'm just destroyed for well, quite l- some let time. Me, let me address that because yeah. there's been so many changes that you can't keep up if you're not in a specialty, yeah. right? And that's part of what we talked about. Just in the last few years, there's a long-acting bupivacaine, mm. right? So it's a long-acting anesthetic but it's injected in a block, so it numbs up your arm completely. Mm. By the time the block wears off, between two and three days, you almost have no pain. In fact, we we are an opioid-free center. But, but pain, I don't, I don't. Yeah. Pain, I can. T- I can yeah. you know, I, in fact, I hate opioids; they make me feel bad. So, I, I pain isn't like a non-issue okay. for me. I just the anest- the general anesthesia. No, no, but you wouldn't be. Can I do it with so- just Twilight and the Provocaine or whatever it is? Absolutely. Okay. So no, no, we don't intubate. Oh, okay, or, no, good, no, good, no, good. no. Okay. Uh, actually, we're doing something. I did a shoulder like this last week. The guy had a, a bull. You understand as intensivist, right? A bull neck. Oh, yeah. He could. The anesthesiologist said yeah. we cannot put. Oh, yeah put this guy so what we did is we do yep. digital a uh, uh, digital anesthesia that yeah. is wide awake virtual reality there's a company called waiver oh you put a thing on it wow yeah. how yeah. fun That's so great. we make sure that he's got a good block right yeah. before i start hey do you feel this you feel yeah. that no listen you're going to feel a little pressure like at the dentist i put the camera in sometimes i lower the curtain and i show him there's your labral tear oh fantastic okay put you know now i'm back on in outer space, or I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> scuba beach. diving in the Maldives. Yeah, uh, and that's that's a coming thing. So, that's so right. the things we were fearful of before, 
it's all getting better. Thank God. I thank you for being here. Thank you for making the trip out here. Uh, again, the website is drbadia, drbadia.com, and uh, get the book, everybody. Check it out. And uh, do go to check out Ortho Now if you're in one of the cities, which are... Uh, well, only in Miami now, and we're looking uh, to expand nationally. Yeah. Fantastic. See, I would go in there and get my shoulders done. <laughs> thank you, sir. My pleasure. Thank we'll you, see you for having time. me. See you all next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. All month long on Pluto TV, stream the biggest Tyler Perry movies free. Watch your favorites like Medea's Witness Protection and Medea's Big Happy Family. Join Tyler Perry as he goes on a couples retreat with Sharon Leal in Why Did I Get Married? Or Idris Elba and Gabrielle Union in the Tyler Perry directed film Daddy's Little Girls. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of channels with thousands more movies and TV shows available on live and on demand. Download the free Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in, watch free.